Hi, and welcome to PodRocket, a web development podcast brought to you by LogRocket. LogRocket helps software teams improve user experience with session replay, error tracking, and product analytics. Try it free at LogRocket.com. I'm Chris, and today we have the Primogen with us, best known for his content creation, Twitch streaming, and trolling. Welcome to the show, Prime. Thank you for having me. I feel like we know each other pretty good. Yeah. Let's tell the audience, so what does it feel like to be the biggest troll in web development right now? I don't know if the biggest, but you are definitely there. Okay, first off, uh, there is a list of questions that you guys have provided me with, and it originally said the bad boy of web development, which Chris stated he refused to say before this podcast, which I'm a little offended about. But how does it feel to be the biggest troll? So I actually like to think I'm not a troll in the sense that I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. I just feel like I don't necessarily fit in, uh, but I've always been under the impression that things are only awkward if both people agree to it. And I just refuse to agree to it. I came from a small town. I never necessarily felt like I fit in in California. I always felt a little awkward because I didn't like traffic. I would rather be outside. I'd rather be just like in a different environment. I didn't really like it. I liked cold weather, right? Again, it doesn't make any sense to be in the Bay Area if you like cold weather. So it just made me always feel just like slightly awkward in, in some sort of sense. And I realized that it's like a dance. There's a bunch of people dancing and you could wait for someone to ask you to dance. Or you could go and ask someone to dance. And so I was like, forget about it. I'm just going to be the person that just goes out there. And I'm just going to try to make something happen. Because I can't just wait for someone to be like, oh, why don't you come on in? And so with web development and all that, it's not that I don't think a lot of technologies are super cool. I'm just old. And I've done this for a long time. And I've shot myself in the foot a bunch of times. And so when people get super excited about something new, it just worries me. Because you work at Netflix Trash. You've seen the code bases. There are new ideas that are now eight years old that everybody writes blogs about, about do not use class components. That was like three hype cycles ago. And we're still like inundated with class components. And so that's one of the dangers of constantly falling on the hype sword. And so I'm just out there. I just try to push like, hey, maybe we need to slow it down a little bit. I'm not trying to troll people, though I do like making dumb statements. Okay, there's a difference between making dumb statements and trolling. Yeah, I can agree with that. And I do agree with you that, especially like in these echo chambers that we are both part of, it does feel like a different flavor of the week. And I feel like a lot of them don't realize that there's stuff that exists outside of that and they take it as gospel, which is super concerning. So I think it's like very important. It's like you said, Netflix, like it's an older code base. We're not going to rewrite our code base every time something new comes out. Flavor of the week became flavor of the decade for us. That's just what happens at big companies. And so picking and choosing what you do should not be because I said so. And I try to make that really clear. If you ask me, what should I use? I'm going to say you figure it out because I don't want you to listen to me because listening to hype cycles or what is the hottest thing, you will just often have a decision you regret in a few years. And if you choose something you like, you'll probably still have a decision you regret. The truest answer is that everything you do will be crappy in a few years. I don't know about you, but the next job I want, it better be Next.js, Prisma, and uh, some cool stuff, all right? React server components, Tailwind. Wait, hold on, StyleX, not Tailwind. Nobody does Tailwind, okay? Everyone uses Uno C StyleX. Everyone uses St Shad C CN. Everyone uses Shad UI or whatever it's called. <laughs> yeah, get it right, man. Get your acronyms right, all right? I love Grunt. Actually, I like Gulp. It's Webpack. It's Parcel. It's Snowpack. I still use Gulp. It's actually Turbo Build. Do you see the problem here? I wrote my own bundler in Java. Of course you did. Before Grunt was a thing. We had to figure out how to bundle files. And I was like, I could do a tree. And so I made my own little bundler. Yeah, you're dating yourself for sure. Anyway, so that's why I'm a bad boy of this is that I 
Okay, first off, I'm not going to say I'm a bad boy. That you know, when I say it, I feel like the bad guy off of Despicable Me with the mullet and the balding spot. I just got to get some sweet dance moves on. Yeah, it's just that I just want to be something different, and I don't want to just simply love everything that is currently there. I don't even think it's like a matter of being different. It's just some people they like what they like, and they just don't really follow bandwagony type stuff, right? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I don't think. You or some other people are being different for the sake of being different. It's just, just who you are, right? Yeah. And people have trouble with that sometimes. It's just fine. It's fine. Heck yeah. All right. I'm actually interested. I think I've heard you explain this before. What is the primogen? So when I was young, there was a video game called Turok. It was the greatest game when I was a youngster. I love it. Okay. And the last leader specifically in Turok 2 was the primogen. I thought it was super awesome. And when I was a kid and we had our very first internet games, one of them was called Grail or Grawl. I'm not really sure how to say it. I was in sixth grade and it has two A's in it. And I still don't know how to say words with two A's in a row. And so that game, you could pick your own name. So I had that as my name and it was fantastic. I had that as a, like a young kid. That was the handle I used. And then I grew up and I never did anything again. Then I started writing Falcor and I was underscore Michael Paulson on Twitter. And I was like all nice and professional going to these conferences. This was during like the heyday of, I guess, the old guard of Twitter. I wouldn't know. You were old. I don't know what you're trying to get away from here, Chris. You're certainly not getting away from time. I'll tell you that much. At the fallout of Falcor and everything going downhill, I just realized I didn't want to be in this buttoned up professional scene. It never really was me to begin with. I was always the person that was probably going to say something maybe a little too inappropriate at a conference, get in trouble, right? Like I just, I, I don't know where the boundary is. And I often like to figure out where a boundary is by crossing it and so that's like usually a problem and so i just like screwed what was something i really liked as a kid and i was like ah i really liked prime gen that was like i really liked that whole video game boom that's the name and during that time i was really like someone who i always looked up to especially even as a kid not for bodybuilding but because of who he was arnold he has this like thing that he talks about where he said that nobody wanted to hire him nobody wanted to work with him his accent was strange he was like culturally outside. Everyone thought he was weird looking. It was during the day and age of being small, like trash small, not like Arnold big. And so it's like he completely broke all the mold. And then his last name was just super bizarre. Everyone couldn't, you couldn't say it. You will never make it in Hollywood if you don't change your name. And now his name is the strong suit. His name is the thing. And so I was like, that's like my spirit animal is to be the outsider. And I will have the strange name and it will go from being a weakness to a strength. That was a lot deeper than I anticipated. That, that was a good answer. Okay. I thought you were going to stop at just video game and then, you know, call it a day. Thank you. You brought in the big Arnold Schwarzenegger. Did I say that? I don't even know if I said his name right. You did because his name is the strength. By the way, did, Emily, do you ever get in on this? Why is your camera off? I usually don't because... <laughs> I feel kind of like I'm being bamboozled a little bit because you were the reacher outer and now I have trash dev. <laughs> okay, so tell us about JavaScript Rising Stars. What did you think of it? What were the standouts? Yeah, so JavaScript Rising Stars, for those that aren't familiar, is that they take a couple metrics. I think some people are accusing it of vanity metrics, whatever. Doesn't really matter. Just some set of metrics that show what is going on GitHub and what is popular. So I think that the primary, the North Star, or maybe even the only metric was the change in stars for the last year. So 2023 
what libraries had the most change in stars positively. And those were the JavaScript rising stars. I'm pretty sure that's exactly what it is. I could be wrong on something. Maybe there's like forks were included or watchers, but in general, I believe it is just stars. And so it was just like showcasing where is the JavaScript zeitgeist, if you will, during this time. And it was very interesting because if you looked over the years, you could actually see some things that were very popular at one point that now nobody would use. It was like almost stepping through history when you went back to 2016 and how hot and new and fresh and those were the future and those would alleviate all the problems. And then you get all the way fast forward to today and it's just a vastly different set. View was on top for many years and now View's no longer on top. I forget who was on top at the time, maybe Bun or something like that as top projects. But one of the cool things was is that HTMX was actually on the list. It was in the top 10 most changed positively in absolute terms stars, which is pretty surprising because it is kind of like the antithesis of modern web development library. And it itself is having its own renaissance, even though it's been around for a decade, there's been white papers about it for about the last 40 years. And so none of the concepts are new. They're just now becoming popular. And so it's a very interesting kind of walkthrough to see what people consider to be popular or good in 2023. I'm curious. So like the whole like HTMX thing, like it's no secret that like the marketing, like the whole memeing in our space contributed to like the awareness and the popularity of the library. So since we mentioned that it's like the vanity metrics, right? it's just like stars and stars don't necessarily tell everything. Do you think, because I'm looking at the stats now, it's like HTMX is like right behind React and React is obviously like the biggest framework currently in web development. Do you think? By lines of code, got them. What was that? <laughs> Do you think like a lot of people are using HTMX? Yeah, I see it everywhere I go. I see people like either memeing about HTMX. I don't know if like people are necessarily using it. Are you like aware of the usage around there? Or is it, do you think it's like on the up and up there? It is on the up and up. I've been seeing many jobs now being posted with like HTMX requirements. Anytime I reach for an internal tool, like if you said, hey, could you build me an internal tool at Netflix to do this. You work there. You've used Jetpack. You know all about these kind of things, right? If I were to start a Jetpack app now, even though it's React to begin with, I would literally throw out React, bring in a template system, and just use HTMX for almost all internal tools because I'm going to move 10 times faster. It's really simple. The problem is, is that if I were to use React, which I have, by the way, I've built an internal tool using React, is that I end up spending way more time thinking about and building up this structure. And then when I need to refactor, the refactors feel longer. The cycles just feel slower. Whereas with, when I'm using just HTMX, I'm just focused on change and these small parts. And it's, I can whip them in and out really fast and come back later to it. And with the coupling of V0 now, that uh, Vercel tool to be able to just generate quick things, I look like I'm a freaking genius with UIs, even though I'm not a genius at all with UIs. They all look like I'm at least 50% or better with UIs which is pretty good for someone that doesn't write any UIs. And so it's, I've just really enjoyed it because it's simple. I can actually accomplish something quickly in an afternoon that's reasonably impressive. I need to try it out. I was listening to a podcast with Carson on there. He's pretty much saying, of course, we can't get to the level of interactivity that React can get. But for your most cases, you probably don't even need that much interaction, right? So it's like HTMX is like that happy medium to get you there. And if you need more, then maybe you can go reach for something else. But I think like for most cases, you're going to be fine. Do you find that to be true? Let's just take the, not the television app. The television app is unique in its own way. And I can explain why later, but just take the website app. How much of it is actual, real, fully required client-side interactivity? Like when you click something, yeah, there's like a CSS expander that expands stuff and there's some tabs and all that, but none of that's really needed to be fully cached client-side experiences. It can be server-driven actions. It's almost like you're playing a video game 
And the video game, instead of having a 60 FPS sending down of UDP packets, RTMP, blah, 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 blah. Instead, it's just driven by user interactions, like the lowest frame rate video game you've ever played. That's it. To me, just most apps fall into that category. Some of them, it is just too complicated. And a good example I use is Conway's Game of Life. You would never drive Conway's Game of Life from the server. It would make no sense. You'd have to generate out a thousand divs on your server, then send them all down. It would just be really dumb. So that seems like a really easy place to throw in a web component. A web component will live forever. You write a web component once, in 20 years, that same web component is going to work and it's not going to be hard to understand. And it's going to be like 50 lines of code. You're not going to need some 100K library to make your thing run. You'll just be able to run that one little thing. And so that's how I look at it is that when I really do need to break out into interactivity and do something, I can write something that will last forever and is completely transferable. I make a new site. I literally copy pasta web component. Boom. It's running. I'm not saying web components are great. They're actually not that great. They're a bad experience, but they're not as bad as having to recreate an environment at a specific point in time. So we talked about HTMX, why you think it's all great, but let's talk about React. I feel like I've heard you in the past ramble or rant about how you feel about React. And I think that's something I would love to talk to you one-on-one about. I would first like to say that React is an incredibly impressive piece of technology. I think that what they did with the classes was really awesome. The transition from jQuery to React was an incredible time. And I think what they did was very impressive. I think functional components and how they're trying to attempt a new way to handle state and to be able to almost make it as if classes and state containers were like almost like orthogonal lines on a graph, I thought was really cool. I really did enjoy a lot of that stuff. I think that server components have a lot of potential and can solve a lot of kind of shitty problems that just simply exist. The problem I generally have with React isn't a React problem. I think React is more like, it's if you broke your leg and you complained about pain. I wouldn't give you a painkiller to be like, and you're better now. It's no, what's the actual problem here? It's you need a splint. We need to actually get you better. And so what I see is that you have a server. It has a bunch of state. You make a request. You say, give me your homepage. It goes to the homepage and says, okay, are you logged in? Oh, you are logged in. I don't need to display this button. I need to display an account button with these kind of flags because you may be an editor. You may be a manager. You may be just a viewer, right? I have to ensure I send down all the proper ability for you to display a menu. And I'm going to translate that data from the database into a different format called JSON usually. There's other formats people use, but primarily it's JSON. So I codify all this business logic into a typeless container called JSON. Then hopefully you have typed everything correctly. We're just going to pretend typing is not a big deal. But nonetheless, you do all that. I'm going to stringify all that information, send it down the wire. And then that on the other side, you will take it, hydrate it. Then you will get that state container. And then you will make decisions about what should be displayed. So in other words, the actual business data gets performed two business logic translations before it makes it into HTML. And to me, this is just like the amount of oopsie daisies that can go wrong in that pipeline is just twice as large because you have to make the same decisions twice. It's like you should show the button. Should I show the button? Oh, I should show the button. I will now show the button. When it's just like, why didn't you just make the button to begin with? I don't understand why we had to do this little dance. And then furthermore, is that now we have the secondary problem, which is you now took the JSON and your client now holds on to that state. And now you need to update it. How do you update it and who needs to be informed of set updates? In comes Redux, right? Redux is an attempt 
at trying to simplify this problem, which it always boils down to some sort of global event bus or signals, right? Signals are the answer to global event buses in some sort of sense. They're trying to minimize that pathway. And these signal stores are just like trying to minimize that pathway. And I think they're really fantastic. There's a lot of really great ideas, but nonetheless, you're still doing the same thing. You're trying to reconcile something that has already reconciled once. And so it's just like reconciliation to more reconciliation than needing to update and then making sure that we dynamically reconcile again. There's just so many layers of things go wrong. And the final part is people always say, what about offline? I'm going to be real with you. There's four apps in the universe that work well offline. The rest are horrible. So don't give me that, oh, what about offline stuff? Let's go ahead, use Twitter offline. You know what you'll see? You'll see a couple lines and a little cloud with the line through and a retry button. Like I could also probably come up with that with the web worker, right? I could also handle that one singular case that you are just so dying to handle with 40 lines of JavaScript. It's not that complicated. Okay, there you go. So that's how I feel. And it's like I said, notice that everything I said wasn't React specific. It's just that what I see on the internet, and you'll see a lot of people on Twitter, and they're like super aggressive about it, being like, people who say you should learn React just hate new people. And you're like, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying... Maybe it's really complicated and it might be hurting new people. I'm saying the opposite. I'm trying to say maybe there's a simpler paradigm, one that actually makes people just understand request response models and basic like database to HTML transformations, not 9,000 things at once. So you think like the problem right now is just too much abstraction, right? So you just don't even know what the platform is even capable of. Yeah. Or just dealing with like raw primitives, right? Like some people just don't even know what the request response objects are, right? Because it's just so far removed from here. Exactly. And it can be confusing. And this is where I think you get into bad request patterns. You start seeing really chatty clients that just make 500 requests. It's because there's not like this strong notion of what's happening and you're just breaking it up to what makes sense for you. And that's totally reasonable because you've never experienced anything else. There's been no need to experience anything else, but I don't think it's good generally for people. And software is not a moat. It is not a good thing to own. It's a liability almost exclusively for every company unless if you build software really well, then it becomes a moat. And that's like a danger. So all these little companies trying to get something off and they just get bogged down with these really tough things that start fast and then features become excessively slow. They're just creating liabilities. They're not creating moats. And it just worries me. And I want people to feel successful, feel like they understand things. I see this all the time. I fall into doing this and I feel stupid doing it. I'm trying not to do it all the time. I just saw one with Nix and NeoVim. If you don't know what Nix is, it's like a way to be able to create a state in your OS with all the dependencies and everything just by a simple script. And then someone's, oh, I'll make it so that Nix will be able to drive your NeoVim configuration so you can just have LSP and everything set up. You just Nix go and it just poops out this beautiful NeoVim experience. The problem is that once you start configuring plugins, you like inline a bunch of how you would do it in NeoVim, but in Nix, and it's slightly different. And so if you have to learn an API that's interacting with another API, and that's like a lot of modern web is like we wrap an existing API with another API, but then you get into these problems where now you need to learn actually about the inner API to make sure that you actually make the outer API good. Because now your performance suck, you're seeing these like half second chunks, what's going on? We'll actually need to learn about the inner API by manipulating the outer API. It's just like these API abstractions, I don't think they solve anything. Just a counter argument, I think... The abstractions are there for like productivity's sake. But when you do run into where you actually need to understand the underlying layers, it's like what you're addressing. It's, oh, now something actually is broken, maybe performance or what have you. I have literally no idea what's happening on the inside. And as I peel back this onion, 
I'm just even more confused because you're just like you said, you're just maintaining like this facade, right? Mm -hmm. Between two things. And that's all you know, or that's really all you can go. Does that make sense? Yeah. Let me actually hit you with a counter argument to your counter argument. Mm -hmm. So with what you're saying, what I would personally say is that if your application isn't too complex to run into that problem, you're probably hunting a rabbit with a cannon to quote Mihawk, right? You're like using the wrong device. You're doing a simple marketing page using three megabytes of JavaScript when you could have just used almost nothing. And it's just five requests. Like that's it. Why are you using so much stuff? Okay. So maybe you shouldn't use it. Okay. Well, let's go the other direction. Let's say you get to that point and it is that complicated and you're really having to dive in and take apart the internals. Maybe that is too not powerful enough of an abstraction that you're using. So maybe you shouldn't use it either. It's hard for me to see these worlds where it makes a lot of sense to use them other than when you're just simply super familiar with it. It's just the benefit that, what's the term I'm looking for? It's like the scale of familiarity. It's what people call development ergonomics. It's once you've used something enough times, your ability to build something gets faster and faster and faster. So I can see that as a really valid argument. Yeah, maybe it's not the best, but I've used it for 10 years and I can build something pretty quick. I'm like, okay, I can't argue that. That's an argument I can't defeat because that's not an argument on facts and logic. It's an argument on experience. And that's your experience. And that's probably the right tool for the job for you. I agree with that take. But at the same time, the counter to your counter argument, some people go to jobs and that stuff's already there. That's just what they got to do. Absolutely. I'm writing a library in JavaScript right now. I don't want to write the library in JavaScript, but Netflix has decided that it's been a sentiment for, especially back in the old day, that UI engineers were incapable of writing anything but JavaScript. Hence the reason why we had Groovy. That was actually one of the arguments is that JavaScript engineers were not really able to write Java. That was a real sentiment a decade and a half ago. That's how we got Groovy. And now we're into just, and Groovy obviously is a terrible language. So now we have JavaScript because that's better than Groovy. Agreed. It's just, I am stuck writing something that I don't think is the best tool for the job, either for my ability or for the problem at hand, but it is what the company has decided. Therefore, I will do it and be a good team player. Exactly. I've seen you write some Rust at work. I've written a little Rust. I was exploring some logs using Rust. Like I just got done downloading two gigabytes worth of logs and going through them and string manipulating, having to just do a bunch of string manipulation. And I'm pegging my CPU at 400% just because I'm downloading enough. So it's like that job just would have taken me an hour and a half in Node to run, or it takes me like 10 minutes in Rust. So it's, yeah, I'm just going to choose the right language at this point for this particular job. You came around to like JS Docs, it seems. Yes, JS Doc. Docs yeah. makes you sound, you sound like an, uh, a boomer when you say JS Docs. What am I supposed to say? JS Doc. Okay, yeah, you're right, you're right. I apologize. Anyways, so let's talk about this. Do you think frameworks should start ditching their TS files like Svelte? So I actually think JS Doc is really cool and really not cool at the exact same time. Let me hit you with the reasons why. One, it's a little bit more inconvenient to type, right? It's just not as nice. I totally am on that team. There's a nice little library for NeoVim that uses tree sitter that will walk your function, grab how many arguments there are, and then like snippet, populate it out. So there's some things that kind of work. They've had this in NetBeans a decade and a half ago with Java. So it's not like the problem space isn't solved already. But nonetheless, there is that whole inconvenience there. But besides that, once you type something with JS doc and you have TS server installed, TypeScript server translate JS doc into TypeScript types. So you get all of your TypeScript types, but the reality is you don't need types always, meaning that you don't specify all your types. I'm sure you're Mr. Please infer everything, right? So you don't necessarily type everything. So you're already getting away with this to begin with. And anytime you run into a complex type, you can do a DTS file and just be like, I need to break into some TypeScript. 
and just really type of key of like really get in there and start doing some complex TypeScript stuff. And then that just works in JS doc. And so then you have all the benefits, but you don't have to have yet another compile step. And this is particularly useful when you're building anything to do with small tools that you want someone to run or for you to run. You don't have to use bun, right? How annoying it is to go to your coworker and be like, oh yeah, can you run the script? Oh yeah, can you install bun first? Dude, nothing makes you look like more of a loser than trying to get someone to install an entire tool chain on their computer to run your 15 lines of JavaScript. Like you just look like a dummy. I want a nice experience where I can have types. I can say, hey, this is a string array. And then I can have my nice little methods pop up so I don't accidentally use anything because I always forget if it's contains or includes. Depending on the language, one's contains, one's includes. And so it's, I need all those little things in there. And then boom, it works the same. I get the same thing and I can just say node run. There's no extra steps and I have these nice little scripts that run and then frameworks and libraries, they don't have to have nearly as complicated development. They can skip the steps they don't care about and then they still generate DTS files at the end. All their public APIs are fully TypeScript-y compliant and no one using their libraries, none the wiser. They just don't have to have TypeScript if they don't want it. And some people, that's like a huge W. If you can just run like the whole no build revolution by DHH, being able to not build anything and just run JavaScript is shockingly refreshing. It's just nice not to be like, ah, we better have our build team make us this new thing work. And then six months later, it finally works. Or you just never built it to begin with and it works right away. There's something very nice about that. I'm dying right now because this past week, I sent a TS file to my coworker I was like, just use bun. Use a hot bun. I was like, do you have Dino installed? I was like, try Dino. And he was just like, what do you do? And I was like, come on, man, just, just go install real fast. I was like, I'm not going to give you like a TS config and set all this up, but just, just use the command. So as soon as you said that, I was like, wow, that's me. He's talking about me. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, you are a loser, but no, we work at the same. I like trash. And for anyone that's listening, I like him. But it's just like most of the things you needed in that TS file probably could have been easily just star type string because you're reading from a file. So you're like string and then string when you do dot split, since it returns an array, it already knows how to do all that. So now you have an array of strings, like it already knows what it's doing. So it does all of the inference for you from there on out. You just have to type just a couple little things in between. And then you don't have to be that guy that hands somebody a TypeScript file. And they're like, you want me to install TS node globally? What? Why are you asking me to do this? Like you don't have to be that guy. It's true. I think I ended up just renaming it to .js and remove some annotations called it a day. I was like, sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, my bad. I'm new here. I just started on a new team this week. That was, it was a good first impression. So it's JS doc. I think it just makes JavaScript more bearable, right? Because that's a huge barrier for me is when someone's like, hey, you want to write me up a script to go get this data and do some stuff? And I'm just like, oh, gosh, do I really want to start a TypeScript project? I would rather write Rust or Go or OCaml or Java or just like anything at this point. I don't want to have to go through all that. And then you have to get a, an artifact and then you got to publish it and point to the right file. Dude, like the amount of things that just go wrong. I go, I'm sitting there like setting up ESLint and Prettier on some stupid repo. I have 11 nodes running for my LSP because I got Tailwind, I got TS server, I got ESLint, I got Prettier, I got, holy cow, what have I just done? What did I just do to myself? Because this is ridiculous. It should be like 10 minutes. Why am I doing this? Yeah, I've become pretty jaded and everything you're mentioning right now, like definitely resonates with me. And I remember when I tried like Dino kind of, try this Go, right? Yeah. Where it has like everything. So when I was like using Go for a little bit, I was like, everything's just here for me. And then I was like, let me try Dino. I was like, this is nice. But you have to get the ecosystem to move. Yeah. On the JavaScript Rising Star questions, I did pre-read some of the questions you're going to ask. One of them was, 
why don't you think Bun's going to be that popular in 2024? It's the same reason why Dino won't be that popular. It's this exact conversation. Hey, bro, just download Bun. No, I don't want to download Bun. I don't want to set up your system. I don't want Dino. I already have Node. Why do I have to have three separate JavaScript runtimes? Like Bun's at least trying to be like Node compatible. So that's really nice because it mostly just works now. I don't think there's any edge cases. There's, I'm sure there's some edge cases that don't work, but for the most part, that's at least a good step in the right direction. But at the end of the day, you're just like, do you want to run Node 1 or Node 2? Most people don't have Node 2, just saying, but mm -hmm. it's available. It's just like, no, I don't want Node 2. Yeah, I think I somewhat disagree with you. It's like you said, like with Bun, they are trying to be fully Node compatible. And I think that would... Give them like that edge to like for people to be easy to migrate. I don't think you have to jump through too many hoops to run bun, hopefully. Anyways, I think Jared Summers, dude's like an animal. He just yeah. poops out code like nonstop and real. But anyways, I digress. But I do agree with the ecosystem itself. It's not there yet. I'll probably be dead before it actually gets any better, to be honest. Can I say that? Can I say that I'll be dead? Is that okay? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. it's because it's going to take 50 years. But just take a moment and think about this. The first attempt at some sort of universal build system is 13 years old, 14 years old. We're still talking about build systems today. It's not a solved problem. So will we be talking about this in five years? I'm pretty much confident that whatever you're doing today or whatever you think is the solve today, there will be something better soon. Roll down's coming up with rust, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> We're about to have ourselves some roll down. I know? completely forgot about roll down. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, but like anyways, to, to like circle it back to just legacy, you know, all these other things are going to exist still. So even if there is something latest and greatest, we're not going to see it. Yeah. <laughs> Unless we like build like a brand new project. But even then, like you said, Jetpack and all this stuff is Jetpack about? Ah, probably not. Yeah, Jetpack, even though it's a brand new project within Netflix, you won't be able to use server components probably. I think it'd be a really hard thing to try to figure out to make sure it actually works. Just because now you have to figure out, can you make it work within the Netflix ecosystem that's not designed for it. Or do we even want it? Do we even want it? We don't know. Yeah, we don't even know if we I'm want I'm not going to get into that whole conversation, but who knows? Yeah, it's the, it's the problem of being terminally online. Twitter is not a good representation of what the real world looks like. Absolutely. I try to repeat that line so many times, especially like if you, when you stream or I stream or someone else's streams, I'm just like, you can tell when someone's new and like all they know is that environment. And you just have to be like, it's not. It's, I know plenty of people that don't even go near Twitter, they're brilliant, or they just have no idea about the technologies we're talking about, and they're leading big projects, pretty smart people, and just all this stuff that exists outside. Like, it's just not all HMX, memes, triangle company, whatever, what have you. It's Remember, DHH makes many million dollar companies, and the guy doesn't have types. That is like Twitter scarlet lettering, is typeless JavaScript. And the guys out there building stuff with Ruby on Rails and typeless JavaScript. The man's a maverick compared to Twitter. And yet that happens, right? It just goes to show that even though Twitter just hates that guy, and every time he talks about types, he just gets dunked on. It's funny because he also, not going to lie to you, the guy's much more successful than I am. So whether you like my takes or not, he built something that lots and lots of people use. So am I always the rightest one? Maybe I'm not. Maybe I've been wrong this whole time. I never even know. It's like some new person comes on. He's like, what have you done? Why don't you like types directly DHH all of this? Oh, okay. <laughs> and it's interesting because I'll see people, because you know that Levels guy, he does everything. Like, yeah, PHP. Levels IO. Yeah, he like PHP sucks. So I'm like a millionaire. So I'll, yeah, I, know. I don't know what you're talking about. There are people who drive Lambos because of PHP. It's not just a meme. It's actually a real thing. Yeah, so that's why I'm trying to enter a phase where it's just like, I'm just going to just not care. 
what I realized is that you can argue infinitely. And I'm just so tired of arguing. Like, I don't like drama. I know I've been in drama. I don't like being in drama. I actually try to avoid it the best I can. And so I am deeply trying to avoid it. And so my new thing is that I will just be talking about the things I am building. And I'm just going to avoid the conversation because honestly, it's all stupid anyways. People arguing about Tailwind or Stylex, I just don't care. At the end of the day, I got a beautiful wife and four kids. And that's just way cooler than Stylex. I'm sure that people really feel proud of Stylex, but man, I don't care. And so I can't waste that emotional energy anymore. And so I'm just, here's the cool things I'm building. Or I'm going to, the other thing I do on Twitter is I just say the first thing that pops into my mind. That's the other thing I do. Such a, I forget what I said, something about C Sharp is better than Java. Just rustle some jimmies. People get all upset. And then right after I do that, I mute the thread and then I don't look at it again. I don't want to be part of drama. VS Code sucks, mute. <laughs> yeah, no, that, yeah, I think that's funny. I like rustling some jimmies. I do appreciate boomers like us because we can unplug and focus our mental energy on other things, right? Yeah. Versus being like chronically online, always trying to be in the know or the topic of the week or something, right? Which is great. And it gives you like balanced takes and it allows you to take a step back. It's okay not to know everything. It's okay not to be on the latest of everything. Oh, 100% not on that. I don't know anything about anything. I did two years of Rust. Now I'm going to try some Go for a while. Oh, you're on the Go arc right now? Yeah, I'm on the Go arc right now. You like it? Yeah, I think the best way to describe Go, if you're ready for it. Gosh, this is such a stupid language. Oh my goodness, the types are so primitive. Ugh, if error equals nil. Gosh, I'm done. Man, that was so stupid. <sighs> I guess I can do other things now. I don't know how to receive that. Did you like it or did you not like it? I don't know. I don't know what you mean. You just finish what you're doing and then you move on. So it's a very neutral language. Like with Rust, I'm like, this artisanal type. See, I need a lifetime right here because I want to be able to never copy. And this is going to be a stack only copy from here on out, starting right here. And yeah, I guess we're going to have to do an. We want to use an arc atomic counter. Let's not mutex this one. Okay, we're just going to do an atomic in. But with Go, I'm just like, and this is so stupid. This language sucks. If error equals nil, and I'm done. Okay, move on. So what you're saying is it's very easy. It's a very easy language. It's the simplest language in the universe. I program it for probably about 20 hours a year up until now. And every time I do it, I feel like an expert. Are you already better than Melky in it? No, I'm sure I'm not better than Melky. (laughs) Melky breathes and eats go. I'm not quite there, (laughs) but I'm starting to get better at it. I did a little TCP server that I did my own custom packets in and built out a web server now. And so I'm going to have a nice local experience with my own custom protocol. And then I'll be uploading that to a server here soon. Awesome. We basically missed almost every single question that we were going to ask you. Do you have any other questions? Are there any questions you want right now? Let's go. We're going. We're going to end it. We're going to at least do the last one. All right. What's the wish list for the Primogen in 2024? If I could choose one thing, I would like to see more people get better at the tools they use. And I'm not talking about React or libraries. I'm talking about their editor and their keyboard. I don't care if you don't type properly. You saw that one guy just like yesterday or whatever, that one meme of the person that's just like typing so incredibly fast with one hand and then his second hand will jump in and then he's like, dude, just do it. It's crazy. And he's, he's actually doing real work. And it's just, I don't care if you're out there looking like just a weirdo, just learn how to type, learn how to use your editors. I would love to see people know their command line, what tools are available. If you ever have a log file filled with stuff and you wanted to find some stuff out about it and your first thing you do is reach for a node program to parse out the log file, I think you should maybe take some time to get better at your tools because you can save literally hundreds of hours of not writing these dumb programs just knowing a little bit of said. 
and a little bit of JQ. You can just be like, bam, 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 boom, let's go. All right. There you go. That's my hope for web dev is that people renaissance into what has already been. All right, Prime, where can people find you online? Where can people find me? On the internet, I have that name and it's on Twitter, it's on YouTube, it's on Twitch, it's on Instagram, TikTok, all over the place. That is a lot. You also have the, your, your Slack channel too, right? Prime Timogen? Yeah, I have the Prime Timogen and I also have the Vimogen. I'm about to have my third channel, I think, cross 100,000 subs this year. Thank you for coming on Prime. Always a pleasure to talk to you, buddy. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Thanks, Emily. 